your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Thursday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, September 24th, 2020. We're already here at the end of the month, and it is Thursday, so you know what that means. It is a crossover Thursday, and the next opponent up on the schedule for the Raiders is the New England Patriots. So coming up on today's show, you'll hear the crossover edition as we talk all things Patriots and all things Raiders. Before we get into today's episode, though, I want to tell you about Visa. Matter of fact, I want to tell you to help support your local businesses. That's what we need right now. Whether it's your corner store, coffee spots, favorite shops, local businesses, they've always been on your team, supporting you and your community. Right now, more than ever, all local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how they shop or how you shop absolutely matters. And coming up on today's show, I mentioned it's a crossover Thursday. It used to be Wednesday, but now it's a crossover Thursday. For anyone who's new to the Locked On Raiders podcast or any of the Locked On NFL podcasts, that's where uh, one host and the other host talk about the upcoming game. So in this instance, it would be myself talking all things Raiders and then Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots. He'll join me in segment number two and three as we talk all things Patriots and Raiders as the Raiders enter Foxborough at 2-0 and and the Patriots are 1-1 and with the healthy-looking Cam Newton. So we'll break down that game and all things Patriots and Raiders coming up in segment number two and segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Here in segment number one, I want to give you the news and the notes of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And probably the biggest piece of news as far as the Raiders are concerned that came out on Wednesday was the fact that the Raiders have placed guard Richie Incognito on injured reserve. He should return some part this season. Uh, They're expecting him to be out at least three games, but I have seen reports where he could be out six or seven, but... At the very least, if you're put on IR, you're going to be out at least three games. So uh, it's going to give him a little bit of time to let that Achilles that he's been uh, nursing that made him leave the game on Monday night, it'll give him an opportunity to try to heal up and get right. Well, what that means for the Raiders is rookie John Simpson, the fourth-round guard out of Clemson, uh, who came in and filled in very nicely for uh, Richie Incognito on Monday against the Saints, is going to get his time to shine. You know, And there's a reason why the Raiders went and drafted a guard in the fourth round. And I remember when he was drafted, I was excited about it. One, he was a Clemson guy. I knew what he did at Clemson. He was a heck of a player. But two, I knew that at some point, either Gabe Jackson or Richie Incognito wasn't going to be there, and they were going to have to go to a guy that they really believed in. And John Simpson's the guy, and he said it himself, John Gruden has really coached him up and coached him up really, really hard, been really tough on him because, well, he just needed to be pushed a little bit extra. So now he's really being pushed, put into that position to be the starting guard, the starting left guard for the Raiders with Richie Incognito on the injured reserve. In a corresponding move, the Raiders elevated guard Patrick Amome to the active roster from the practice squad and uh, that's just a guy that's going to be there to provide depth. He's been in the league for quite a while. Uh, 81 games, 57 starts over his career. He's played with Tampa Bay, Chicago, Jacksonville, the Giants, the Saints and actually started three out of four postseason games with the Saints in 2020. Now here's an interesting roster move or roster moves that the Raiders 
made. They uh, remember I told you on uh, on Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast that they put Javen White on the practice squad. They took him back down from the active roster and put him on the practice squad. I thought he was the guy that they were going to protect, but the word came out from Aaron Wilson from the Houston Chronicle that the Raiders protected Kamal Seymour, Theo Riddick, Eric Magnuson, and Dominic Eberle on the practice squad, and you're only allowed to pra- to, to protect four players. So I was kind of shocked by that. But uh, either way, uh, I guess they didn't they didn't protect them, but they they saw those guys and felt like those are the ones that they have to protect. So as far as I'm concerned, unless I'm incorrect, I don't think you could protect six. I think you could only protect four. If you could only protect four, then well, Javon White could be signed by any other team off the Raiders practice squad. Now I'm not saying he's going to be. I'm just saying there's a possibility. So that was something that kind of caught my attention and said, hmm, okay. Uh, also, the Raiders released their injury report uh, on Wednesday afternoon, and uh, you know a lot of people have been hitting me up asking me about Jonathan Abram and his shoulder. Well, he participated in practice fully, so that's good. Damon Arnett, who's dealing with a wrist and a thumb injury, he participated fully. Trent Brown, how about him? Still dealing with the calf injury, did not participate. My gut feeling tells me it'll probably be a game-time decision on Sunday going up against the Patriots, and I don't think that he's going to play. Uh, guard Denzel Good, who's actually been filling in really well for Trent Brown while he's been out. Uh, was dealing with a thumb and illness, and he didn't participate. So as far as I'm concerned, that's something more to pay attention to than even Trent Brown because, well, Denzel Good has been doing like his last name is, and that's playing really good for the Raiders on that offensive line. So uh, hopefully he'll be okay. Richie Incognito, obviously that's nothing to even talk about. He's dealing with the Achilles. He's on IR, so he's not going to be available at all. Josh Jacobs is dealing with a hip injury. You could tell on Monday he was a little bit banged up. He didn't participate in practice on Wednesday. I don't look at that as a big deal. I feel like Josh Jacobs will be there when he needs to be there and that'll probably be uh, later on today and Friday for practice and then be ready for game time come Sunday. Linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski, he's still dealing with the pec injury. He did not participate. Not really a surprise there. Uh, Hopefully he's getting back sooner rather than later, but probably will miss this game against the Patriots as well. Carl Nassib had an illness. He didn't participate. Darren Waller's dealing with a knee injury. He didn't participate. I think that that's more just like a veteran's day off, but that's just me. Tackle Sam Young, he's got a groin injury. He was limited in practice. And again, I think the biggest deal is uh, Denzel Good did not participate in because he's done a really good job at that right tackle position. So I think that the Raiders are going to roll with Good as long as they have to. So uh, Sam Young, of course, they want to get him back for depth purposes. But I think Denzel Good is really the guy to be paying attention to. And another guy that I want to pay attention to is Darren Waller. Uh, He did not participate. He's dealing with a knee injury. That could be something as simple as really just getting a Veterans Day off and he's a little bumped and bruised. I mean, I can easily see that and he'd still be ready to go and play on Sunday against the the Patriots. But definitely want to pay attention to him as you saw how big of a a factor he was in Monday night's game. So you want to have him out there healthy. Uh, Hunter Renfro, he was full. He's dealing with an ankle injury, but he was full. He was good to go. We talked to him on Raider Nation Radio 920, Silver and Black today on, uh, on Tuesday. 13 minutes with Hunter Renfro and he was good to go you could tell he was he was ready to rock and roll and play again and Henry Ruggs full participant as you know he's dealing with a knee injury as well Uh, hopefully you start to see the Raiders get him incorporated into the offense a little bit more but I'll tell you right now he's making a factor and he's making a big difference just with that speed out there because it's opening up the game for everybody else so that's the injury report there'll be a couple more of those before the actual game on Sunday but that's the initial report which is pretty long It really is pretty long, but again, I think you'll see a lot of those guys uh, kind of uh, scratched off that list and and be full participants by the end of the week. Uh, Wanted to pass this along. I thought this was pretty interesting, too. Uh, Next-gen stats. Sometimes they're really, really interesting, and a lot of times they're really interesting, but it kind of lets you know uh, where a guy is playing at a a level that they're playing at as far as, you know, the analytics go with things and and the statistical side of things. If you're one of those kind of people that, you know, kind of nerd out on that, it's cool. 
I like it. Um, Next Gen Stats has Derek Carr, 13 for 17 for 114 yards and two touchdowns against the Blitz. And then he said on, on outbreak routes towards the sideline, he was 15 for 18 for 105 yards and three touchdowns. Vic Tafer put that out on Twitter. But Derek Carr is just kind of giving him a little bit more props. He was like laser focused. Once he finally got settled in, on a Monday night, which it didn't take long. It just took a couple couple possessions early on in the game. Once he got really locked in, he was, I mean, laser focused. Again, 13 for 17 for 114 yards and two TDs against the Blitz. And then uh, on outbreak routes towards the sideline, 15 for 18 for 105 yards and three TDs. And those aren't the easiest passes or catches. So you got to give a lot of credit to the receivers as well, whether it was Darren Waller, uh, if it was Brian Edwards, if it was Josh Jacobs or Devontae Booker, whoever was receiving those, they all, uh, I mean, those are not the easiest catches to make uh, and when you're going towards the sideline. So you got to give them a lot of credit. For that as well. And my final little nugget I have here for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast before we jump into part one of the crossover edition, Raiders and Patriots, as I talked to Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots, is just a little soundbite from the Princess of Darkness talking about Amy Trask. You know, she works for CBS Sports. She works for The Athletic now. She does a really good job with that. I've had her on the podcast multiple times. Always good to catch up with her. But Adam Shine, he had uh, he had her on, uh, on CBS Sports. He had her on just, uh, what was it, Wednesday, and he was asking about about different teams. They were just kind of going around the league. They had talked about the Chargers, and then they got to the Raiders. And, of course, the Raiders, its a, that's a warm spot in their heart. But he just asked her about the Raiders. So here's his question and her response. I thought it was pretty cool. Check it out. Amy, I love watching the Raiders play football. I picked them. You picked them on, on Monday night to win. And how about Derek Carr and the Raiders? 2-0. and oh. Is this a harbinger of things to come? We shall see. And I don't say that specifically because it's the Raiders. Adam, you know I'm judicious about these things. We're two games into the season. And as we were just discussing with respect to the Chargers, one never knows when a major injury can occur. But certainly, absolutely, the Raiders are showing tremendous promise. I thought they showed poise. Uh, Derek Carr was sacked three times in the first quarter, but recovered that. I think Dennis Allen made his greatest coaching contribution to the Raiders yet. Uh, The Raiders scored on, I think, (laughs) six of their last seven possessions. So there you go, Raiders. Dennis Allen has finally made a contribution um, from a coaching perspective to the team. And then, Adam, the stadium is magnificent. But I did feel badly that the fans weren't able to enjoy that first game there. And that is not a criticism. Um, We certainly all understand why there are not fans in stadiums right now. Uh, So that's not that's not in any way a criticism that there weren't, but simply that my heart is with those tremendous, tremendous Raiders fans. I was sad for them. They didn't get to enjoy that moment in person, but they'll get to enjoy it when fans are allowed back. So I thought that was pretty cool right there. Adam Shine, he's been a guy who's really been supportive of the Raiders even before the season started. A lot of folks getting on the on the, on the the bandwagon right now saying, man, the Raiders are for real, Raiders are for real. But he actually was talking about the Raiders being successful before the season even started. And, uh, of course, Amy Trask right there was like, hey, man, I, I think they are real. She gave a reason why she felt that they were real. And it's just kind of cool to hear multiple people, uh, you know, give the, the Raiders props. And, of course, Amy Trask, like I said, she always has a warm spot in her heart for the Raiders. But getting the love, man, when you start winning games, you start getting the love and I know a lot of people always look for national attention for the Raiders and I always say don't worry about it don't pay attention to it but when it's out there and I find it I'll definitely bring it to you because it is worth hearing so uh, that's good stuff in my opinion from one Amy Trask coming up next segment number two it'll be the first part part one 
It'll be part one of my crossover edition, talking all things Patriots and talking all things Raiders with Mike DeBate, host of Locked on Patriots. Before I get into that, though, I got to tell you about rockauto.com. I love talking about rockauto.com because they are a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and they even have new carpet. So it doesn't matter if you got a classic, you got a daily driver, anything you need is just a few easy clicks away and it's delivered directly to your door. rockauto.com catalog is unique and really, really easy to navigate. Even a dummy like me can figure it out. Quickly see every single part available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices you prefer. Best of all, the prices. I mentioned them. At rockauto.com, they're always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals as they are for do-it-yourselfers. I got a homeboy that's got a shop named Paul, and he's a professional. I, I am not. He can get the prices, or he can get the parts for the same prices that I can get the parts. Only thing you got to do is, unlike me, you got to know what to do with them once you get the parts. So go to rockauto.com right now. You can see all the parts for your car or truck. This is what I ask you to do. There's a box that says, how do you hear about us? You write Locked On Raiders Podcast. They'll know I did my job and sent you to the spot to get the hookup. So it's a great selection, super low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Segment number two is on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into the crossover edition. I know a lot of folks really love the crossover editions as we preview the next opponent on the Raiders schedule. And up next is the New England Patriots. The Raiders will be on the road. And so to help me break this game down, Mike DeBate, he is the host of Locked On Patriots. Before we get into the conversation, want to tell you about my bookie and want to shout them out for being a sponsor here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code Locked On and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 on free play design to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. And with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here it is, crossover edition, part one. Mike DeBate, he's got the wheels of steel. He's going to Howard Cosell me first. So here he is, host of Locked On Patriots, Mike DeBate. Patriots fans, Raiders Nation, it's that time again. Both fan bases remember a snowy 25-degree evening in Foxborough, Massachusetts, January 19, 2002. The 2001 AFC Divisional Playoff game between the New England Patriots and the then Oakland Raiders. The final game at Foxborough Stadium. And those cold metal planks in the upper sections that I can tell you from personal experience, folks, cause a freeze deep into your bones. Raiders fans remember it as the tuck rule game, Patriots fans remember it as the snowball, but it has intertwined the fates of these two franchises ever since. But enough about the past. It's time to talk future. And that future is upon us. The Patriots and the Raiders are scheduled to meet this Sunday, September 27th, 1 p.m. Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. So without further ado, let's kick off this crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Mike DeBate, host of the Locked On Patriots Podcast. And joining me today is your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Q, it is an honor to join you on the microphone today. Welcome to Crossover Thursday. Yeah, man, it's, it's a lot of fun joining you talking about Raiders and Patriots as they prepare to play a game this upcoming Sunday there at uh, in New England. But I, uh, I, I kind of tuned out while you were uh, reliving the past there because I don't want nothing to do with that tuck rule. So now that we're past all that, let's get ready to rock and roll. 
<laughs> well, the uh, personnel has changed quite a bit on both sides, but the coaches actually remain the same, believe it or not. Uh, that is actually one of the few things that hasn't changed in the 20 years, although there was a little bit of a change in uh, a <laughs> yeah. Nation for quite a while. But this matchup between the New England Patriots and the Las Vegas Raiders promises to be a good one. Matchups between these two teams are always memorable. And the Raiders are on a short week after having played the Saints on Monday night impressive victory for the Raiders over a perennial NFC powerhouse in the New Orleans Saints. Las Vegas is going to have a quick turnaround going up against the Patriots, but I don't think that's going to make them any less of a formidable opponent. The Raiders have averaged 34 points over their first two games. They have plenty of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Q, the Patriots' main focus, of course, will have to be Darren Waller. He has been amazing through the first two games, but That's not where the Raiders' offense begins and ends. They also have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Josh Jacobs at running back, Henry Ruggs III at uh, wide receiver, and also, who can forget, quarterback Derek Carr. Q, when you look at the strengths of the Raiders' offense and you contrast it with that of the Patriots' defense, especially their prowess in the secondary, what type of attack might we see from the silver and black? Well, I think it all starts uh, with uh, Josh Jacobs in the backfield. Uh, he had 1,150 yards rushing his uh, his rookie year in 2019, and I think he's a better running back in 2020 uh, after two games. And I know it's a small sample size, but uh, you, you combine with what he was able to do his rookie year, and now he's also added the element of the passing game and being involved in the passing game for the Raiders uh, in 2020, his second year in the league. And I think that's what you, you really get to see. And, and through two games, man, he's been really, really good. He's shown he could be the workhorse carry the rock 25 plus times a game uh, and be in there when it's critical and when it really, really matters against the Panthers. He had, you know, three touchdowns in the, in the, that game against the saints. He didn't have any touchdowns, but he has some very, very important big time runs towards the end of the game that really helped kind of seal the deal for the Raiders over the saints. And so he's, he's what John Gruden wants. John Gruden loves to have weapons. He loves Darren Waller rugs, all, you know, Hunter Renfro, everyone that you named and then some, he loves that, but he also loves the fact that Derek Carr can hand it to 28 and he, can get it done and pick up some really good yards behind that very strong even though it is a banged up offensive line still a very strong offensive line so uh, as far as I'm concerned I think Josh Jacobs gets the gets the uh, the workload for the Raiders on Sunday against the Patriots and and barely basing it off of what I saw with Seattle and and the Patriots I feel like the the run game is an area where the Raiders really could try to exploit the the Patriots on defense yeah I think you make a very good point the Patriots run defense especially last week showed to be pretty porous, allowing 154 yards on the ground to a formidable Seattle running attack. And I notice a lot of similarities in the way that Las Vegas runs the ball. They're a very deliberate running team. And Seattle had a good amount of success because the Patriots were just unable to set the edge and get help in the middle to uh, the latter part of the linebacker position. I think that's an area that could be exploited. So we definitely have our shot by there. Uh, if our uh, you know Patriots fans are keeping an eye on this matchup, one big personnel question, obviously, heading into this week's game for Las Vegas is whether or not former Patriot and current uh, Las Vegas right tackle Trent Brown is going to be good to go after missing Monday night's game against the Saints due to a calf injury. Um, I know that he's a very big part of the strength of that offensive line, and that could definitely mean a little bit of the change in complexity for the running game and even the passing game, which Derek Carr has been excellent. Uh, And Darren Waller has obviously been his biggest uh, target. 18 catches for 148 yards so far this season. He's been targeted 24 times so far by Derek Carr. 
Q, has he been the biggest surprise on offense for the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders this year, um, or uh, are we missing something here in New England that Darren Waller has been among the league's best tight ends for quite some time? No, he. I mean, yeah, you guys are definitely missing something because uh, Darren Waller was the dude last year. You know, he had 90 catches, over 1,000 yards receiving, and it's just the fact that the Raiders only won seven games, you know, and and the fact that towards the end of the season, most people nationally kind of wrote off the Raiders and weren't really paying attention to them, but Darren Waller, in in a year last year where the Raiders had a lot of guys banged up and really didn't have a lot of weapons, he was the go-to guy for Derek Carr. So everyone amongst Raider Nation knew that that dude could be a big-time player. It's just the fact that he was shown in high Highlighted and spotlighted on a Monday night uh, stage against the Patriots in that brand new stadium, that that awesome stadium there in Las Vegas, is the reason why everyone's talking about him right now. But the Raiders knew they had a, a real deal player as long as he uh, he came to work and decided he wanted to you know work his tail off. And he's he's had a very well documented uh, off field battle with addiction, and uh, you know he's overcame that. He's three years plus so, so sober, which is awesome. You know that that's just just off the field, just uh, you know just from a, a respect level. That's that's awesome that he's able to do that and overcome the issues that he had in Baltimore. But the Raiders knew that he was a real deal guy, man. They they gave him a four-year extension last year for $29 million. And I'll tell you right now, there's only a couple tight ends in the league that I would even say are comparable to Darren Waller. And they're all very high and well-paid guys, a lot more than $29 million that he got on a four-year deal. I mean, you look at, at Travis Kelsey, he just got $28 million guaranteed from Kansas City. And I would I would argue that uh, Darren Waller is right up there with the Kelseys, with the Kittles. I mean, he's, he's that stinking good, and I think he's only going to get better. He doesn't have a whole lot of tread on his tires, so I think he's, he's got a long future in front of him as long as he wants to continue to, to ball out. Now, I did want to real quick go back to, uh, you know, what you mentioned about Trent Brown being out. You know, that guy, it's funny. I mean, he's a big part of the offensive line and the success of the Raiders. He's only played three snaps in 2020 so far. Three snaps. That's it. So I don't know. And maybe it's something Bill Belichick saw. And maybe you have a better idea. I don't know. And this is what the question is uh, around Trent Brown and Raider Nation right now. I don't know what his love for the game is, if he really wants to be out there, or if he's a guy who, who instead of loving the game, loves what the game does for him. Well, he had a pretty prolific year when he was with here uh, with the New England Patriots and uh, definitely did a formidable job of protecting Tom Brady's blind side. So I don't know if it was necessary, necessarily a, a lack of love for the game. Um, I, I don't know what his health situation is now that he's in Las Vegas, but he did a fairly formidable job up here in New England. I don't know. Maybe it was just right place, right time, right fit. Maybe because it was a contract year, that could be a deciding factor right. as well. Q, we hate to go to the negative side of things, but sometimes that is a motivational factor for these guys. Absolutely. But uh, he's definitely a big body. I can tell you, I, I watched that guy in training camp and got into several media scrums to try to interview him. And uh, for someone that's built pretty low to the ground, uh, it was definitely a... Uh, um, uh, it was an eye-opening experience for me trying to get a chance to interview Trent Brown, but uh, we hope that he's going to be out there because I think when he does, uh, he can change the complexity of that offensive line. And I'm glad that you at least lent that information to us as well. <laughs> based on what, <laughs> based on what you've seen on the defensive side of the ball, um, Q. Las Vegas has plenty of experience on the defensive side of the ball, and they've got some impressive developmental upside with. Obviously, with first-round draft picks, Clellan Farrell and Damon Arnett. The leader of the unit, however, is Corey Littleton. Uh, that's the team's primary off-the-ball linebacker for all you Patriots fans. Uh, you may recognize him a couple of years ago. Corey had a pretty large role with the L.A. Rams when the Patriots went head-on-head with them in Super Bowl 53. 
The Patriots, on the other hand, have had success moving the football on offense. Thanks largely in part to dual threat capabilities of quarterback Cam Newton. Taking Cam out of his rhythm is going to be a key for the Raiders' success on Sunday. That's a given. But exactly how to go about doing that isn't so obvious. Q, do you believe that the Raiders are more apt for success by keeping Cam in the pocket, forcing him to beat you through the air? Or do you think that Las Vegas might go the unconventional route here and try to challenge the Patriots to run? I mean, me personally, I think the best way to try to defend Cam Newton is to keep him in the pocket and let him beat you with his arm. Now, the flip side of that is he's been doing a really good job this season so far with his arm when he has been throwing the rock. Uh, he's also been doing some good things with his, his legs like he has always done. He looks like he's very healthy, and so I think he's going to be a very uh, big challenge for the Raiders defensively. I think that they need to try to get as much pressure on him as possible and make him uncomfortable, but at the the same time you have to know how he can butter his bread and that's by way of the ground you know and, and once he gets rolling man it's it's not easy for a guy to get in front of that train rolling down those tracks you know so it's it's he's a big dude he's a big man coming downhill man and that's that's really tough to make that decision to get in front of him and try to get him to the ground so uh, me personally if it was me if I was calling the plays I would say hey try to keep this dude in the pocket play some really good tight coverage and uh, you know try to make him beat you with his arm but I mean, we all know that the league is one of those where you got to get as much pressure on the quarterback as possible. But when you do that, sometimes you get out of your lanes. And when you get out of your lanes, if he has a little bit of area, a little bit of airspace where he can uh, break off down the field, he's going to do that. So, I mean, it's almost a double-edged sword. It's like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that the Raiders are going to have to prepare for. They've had weapons that they've played against each and every week so far in the pa Patriots with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, obviously, the Saints have a bunch of weapons on the field, even though they didn't have Michael Thomas. And now you look at the Patriots, and they have uh, – you know, they have Cam Newton there, Julian Edelman and, and, and others that, uh, you know, can get it done as well. So the Raiders defense definitely has their work cut out for them. And they're a very young defense. They have, you know, Corey Littleton, you mentioned Nick Kwiatkowski. He would really help if he's going to be out there, but he's dealing with the pec injury. So I think he's going to miss the game. Uh, and then the rest of the team really is, is young, you know, young DBs, young safeties. Uh, there's a, a lot of young, a lot of youth on the defensive line. Max Crosby's a second year guy trying to come off the edge and get his, uh, his sacks. Farrell, you mentioned, uh, he's a second year guy I mean there's a lot of youth on that defensive side of the ball so they're going to have their work cut out for them for sure on Sunday yeah very young and a very capable defense coming up and definitely going to face a test in this Patriots offense but there's no question about it Las Vegas is up to the challenge and I believe this is going to come right down to the wire I think this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people think and Q I thank you because you provided a great amount of insight when it comes to this Raiders team and their potential plan to plunder the Patriots this weekend but this wouldn't exactly be a true crossover unless we flip the scripts and you put me on the hot seat. In just a moment, folks, your boy Q will take over the command and seek my wisdom and counsel, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, folks, on all things New England Patriots. We might even work on another tuck jab, a tuck rule jab, excuse <laughs> me, when this Locked On Crossover Thursday continues. So there is part one of our conversation right there. Myself and Mike DeBate talking all things Patriots and Raiders. And you see he got to Howard Cosell me right there in segment number two. So we're going to flip the script on the other side. In segment number three, it will be part two of the crossover edition. I'll get my Howard Cosell on and hit him with some hard hitters. Plus, I got a zinger coming for him at the end. So uh, make sure you stick around. We'll be on the uh, flip side. We'll be in segment number three. It'll be part two of the crossover edition coming up next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we are. 
Crossover Thursday, Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots, is with me, talking all things Patriots, talking all things Raiders as we prepare for this game on Sunday. Uh, Mike, the Pats, they're 1-1 one one on the season. I know how I feel from what I've seen from Cam Newton, the quarterback of the team, who uh, I'll tell you, I didn't have a lot of confidence in going into the season. I didn't know if he was healthy. Like, I think a, a majority of people weren't too sure. But um, he, he's looked pretty good to me so far uh, in, in, uh, in two games. What has been your thoughts on what you've seen from Cam, and, and do you as well feel like he's been pretty successful? Yeah, I think there's no question about it. He's been a very pleasant surprise here in New England. And I say surprise in no way to diminish what we thought we were getting in Cam. I think everybody realized we were going to get a solid football player, a very savvy football player, one with experience, someone who was exciting that could change the complexity of the way the Patriots played offense. I think a lot of people uh, are surprised by the level of um, acumen that he's brought to the table, the leadership that he's been able to bring to this team in such a short amount of time, and the fact, Q, that he looks healthy out there. The shoulder looks good. The feet look good. He's moving around with a lot of ease. He's throwing the ball well. Cam looked as comfortable throwing the ball against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night than I've seen him look in quite some time, albeit in a losing effort. That loss was definitely not on Cam's shoulders. Threw for 397 yards, uh, a definite dart, 49-yard uh, completion to Julian Edelman, one of the highlights of the game for the New England Patriots. But he's also helping the Pats to win through the ground. He's allowing Josh McDaniels to incorporate those zone reads, those RPOs that the Patriots have never been able to employ under a quarterback like Tom Brady. And I feel like a broken record. I say this all the time. That's no disrespect to Tom who ran this offense the way it was constituted as well or better than anyone could have else could have run it here in New England. But Cam changes the complexity and the way this team is put together, the way they're being molded in his image is really something to watch and it's something to really uh, marvel at. And also the way his teammates have taken to him in such a short amount of time. He's gaining their respect. He's gaining their like. And these guys really want to play hard for Cam Newton. You're noticing the camaraderie that he's bringing to the table with his wide receivers, with his running backs, with his offensive line. Guys who have been here for years like David Andrews, Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty can't say enough about how um, acclimated that Cam has become into the Patriot way and how his energy has just become infectious in this locker room. So in a lot of ways, Cam has been the breath of fresh air that everybody had hoped for and more, uh, not just of what he brings on the field, but also what he brings off the field in terms of team building and camaraderie. He's been everything is advertised and then some for the New England Patriots. Uh, if you're a Pats fan or anybody that covers this team, you can't really say anything negative about what Cam's brought to the table so far. Has that camaraderie that you talked about, you know, between Cam and Julian Edelman and, and the rest of the team, as a matter of fact, because you can see it uh, watching that Seahawks game on Sunday night. You can see all those guys are playing for each other. Is that something that they built just in training camp or was that extracurricular before training camp got started in this weird, strange COVID-19 offseason? Is that something that they went out and did on their own? I think it's a little bit of both. I think you saw Cam from the moment he signed here trying to endear himself to guys like Nikhil Harry, guys like Julian Edelman. Uh, somebody like Gunnar Rochelski, who hasn't played a snap yet this year, has been on injured reserve. He's scheduled to come off in a couple of weeks. They started working together. They really started seeing what these guys could do together. And I think it really built that camaraderie and that trust. During training camp, you saw Cam emerge as that leader. He was taking the snaps. Early on, 
snaps were equally being doled out between he, Jared Stidham, and also Brian Hoyer. So it really wasn't a situation where the Patriots coaching staff right off the bat handed the keys to the kingdom of Cam Newton and said, this is yours, run with it. We're following you at this point. It was almost like it was a feel-out type sort of uh, competition in training camp. But Cam put an end to that very quickly. He showed the leadership. He showed the acumen on the field. He showed a lot of health. That's the first and most important thing. And I think it quelled a lot of concerns that maybe Patriots fans, even some media, maybe even the coaching staff had had about him coming in but I think they built this a little bit beforehand. But it really is remarkable to think that without a preseason, without OTAs, mini camps, things of that nature, that they've been able to build this type of camaraderie in just two games really speaks to the level of leadership Cam brings to the table. Talking right now with Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots. This is Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On NFL Podcast Network. And Mike, uh, continuing on with uh, Nikhil Harry, it's a guy that you just mentioned. He was a first-round pick in 2019, didn't play much of the season uh, because he was uh, he was injured. So it's almost like they're getting another first-round pick in 2020. Uh, he performed well on Sunday night, in my opinion, against the Seahawks. How have you seen him progress from what you saw in a, in a small sample size of 2019 to what you're seeing so far in 2020. Well, he looks more comfortable in the offense. First of all, I think he's had more time to be able to learn. Uh, Nikhil was injured during training camp last year, missed the first half of the 2019 season. When you're working with a quarterback that is so ingrained in what this offense was last year in Tom Brady, it's so difficult to be able to crack that circle of trust. It's difficult to be able to come in, learn a very complex playbook in a short, compressed amount of time, and expect to be able to make the impact that a first-round pick should be making. So a lot of people started labeling Nikhil Harry as a bust, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. Right. Uh, but some people were a little bit disappointed in his output. And that I could understand, because he does come with some expectation being a first-round pick. But this year, I think he's been able to develop the synergy with Cam Newton. Cam's showing a great deal of trust with him, even though he fumbled out of the end zone in the first game and really, I think, cost the Patriots some points and really could have uh, put that game in jeopardy. Cam didn't let that um, affect his confidence or his ability to continue to go to him. In this game against the Seahawks, he kept going to, uh, uh, to Nikhil. Uh, as a matter of fact, two big receptions on the final drive helped to set up the goal line stand that unfortunately for Patriots fans didn't go the way we had hoped, but it still was able to set that up. Nikhil's one of Nikhil's receptions got them all the way to the one yard line. So I'm seeing a much uh, more comfortable uh, Nikhil Harry. I'm seeing a much more healthy Nikhil Harry as well. He's breaking out of his routes a little bit easier. He's using his body to go up, make contested catches. Uh, he's not afraid to take a shot. I think we all saw that with <laughs> when Quandre takes the other night and anybody that questioned whether or not Nikhil Harry was tough or could take a hit. I think that really proved it. Uh, he really, he took a tremendous shot uh, and was able to get back up and continued to stay in the game. That really shows a level of toughness that I think a lot of people were wondering if he had, but ultimately I think it's the comfort with Cam Newton that really has made the difference this year. And I look for Nikhil to build on that each and every week. Looking at the Patriots' defense now, something that's always been said about Bill Belichick, and he's been doing it so long that everyone knows it's the truth, is he likes to take away what you do best. And so uh, you mentioned earlier in, in the earlier segment that Darren Waller had a monster game on Monday night for the Saints, and of course he's a guy that uh, you know that John Gruden's going to want to go to. I, I mentioned as well that Josh Jacobs is a guy who's going to uh, do a lot of the heavy lifting for the Raiders on Sunday. Uh, as far as Waller goes, do you expect to see uh, Bill Belichick and company decide to put Stephon Gilmore 
to kind of shadow him and make sure that that guy at least doesn't beat you? There has been some speculation, and quite honestly, Q, it wouldn't surprise me to see him put Stephon Gilmore on Waller for a few snaps at least, uh, maybe to try to feel things out or maybe to try to confuse uh, Las Vegas or maybe give them a little bit of a different look. But believe it or not, I actually think the majority of the snaps for Waller uh, are going to be taken against guys like the rookie Kyle Duggar and second-year corner who's been playing hybrid safety lately, and that's Juwan Williams. These guys are bigger, a little bit uh, more physical than Stefan. Stefan is one of the best lockdown corners in the uh, in the game. You can make the argument that he is the best lockdown corner in the game. He'll shadow you. He'll be in coverage. You're not going to bust coverage against Stefan Gilmore. If you do, it's very rare. Save the tape because it doesn't happen often. But at the same time, a guy like Darren Waller, who's been so prolific, probably needs maybe a little bit more of a physical body to be on him in order to contain him. That being said, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to be able to contain Darren Waller at the level at which he's playing right now. Uh, But Duggar has been very good in playing that third safety role, uh, that type of Deron Harmon role that he played last year. Uh, Now Deron obviously is with the Detroit Lions, but it's that safety that stays on the field at all times. He'll go about shadowing tight ends. You might see him play the hybrid linebacker, uh, you know, uh, position. You may see him play in the box. This is all um, part of Bill Belichick's schemes that he likes to devise on defense. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Duggar take some serious snaps against him. He showed some pop on Sunday. I think one of the bright spots on defense for the Patriots against the Seahawks. And Juwan Williams is that big type of thumping corner, uh, almost like an a la Brandon Browner when he played here. Uh, Very big, very physical, someone that's not afraid to go and to mix it up a little bit. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me to see him cover uh, Waller because uh, um, he's been covering a lot of tight ends. Uh, We've seen him practice and do a lot of that in training camp, and he did a very good job at containing Mike Kosicki in uh, uh, the, uh, the first game against the Miami Dolphins. Waller is on a different level, much better, uh, but it may look, you may be, uh, you shouldn't be surprised. This is the best way for me to put it, uh, to see uh, um, Williams get some time on Waller as well. Also, Mike, we talked about uh, the, the lack of run defense as far as the Patriots are concerned, and I mentioned Josh Jacobs is going to be the dude. Uh, I definitely believe you'll see a heavy dose of him. Uh, what do the Patriots try to do to slow down the run game? And, and uh, you know, if you try to slow down the run game, then maybe a guy like a Henry Ruggs is able to beat you over the top. Like, how do they pick their poison? It's just exactly that. That's a perfect way to put it. It is pick your poison. And this Raiders offense is so good to be able to beat you in so many different ways. If the Patriots want to stack the box and they want to prevent the run up the gut, which is really what hurt them against the Seattle Seahawks, they're going to need help setting the edge and they're going to need some help at the middle linebacker position. Juwan Bentley struggled a lot. He's their primary middle linebacker now with Dante Hightower being out. He struggled a lot on Sunday night. Brandon Copeland was a free agent acquisition, came over from the Jets, did a fairly good job of trying to give him some assistance. But Juwan was often found trying to cover wide receivers, trying to get after Russell Wilson. That's not what a middle linebacker is designed to do. And because of that, it left the Patriots very vulnerable to a a very formidable run attack. That's what I think the the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to do if they try to attack and try to let uh, the Patriots 
Um, you know, try to put them on their heels and run the ball up the gut. That's something that Seattle did very effectively. And again, I think the Raiders can do that very effectively as well. Um, but if the Patriots are going to try to do that, they're going to need someone from the linebacking core step up and be able to help them set the edge and provide some protection up the middle. Uh, guys that could do that possibly Josh Uche has been injured the last couple of weeks. Um, he's, you know, the rookie uh, linebacker from Michigan. He was actually a healthy scratch in week one, uh, was out with an ankle injury in week two. It'll be interesting to see if he bounces back and is able to provide any type of, uh, you know, pressure there. Anthony Jennings, the rookie out of Alabama, is a very stout run defender. I look for him to play more snaps than he did on Sunday and maybe try to come up and help compensate with some of the help that uh, uh, Juwan Bentley is going to need. Cash Malawai, who is also a linebacker from uh, um, Wyoming, sixth-round pick from the Patriots this year. He's become a much better run defender in practice in the last couple of weeks, so look for him to play a larger role. But the Patriots are going to need some help in the middle of the field if they want to be able to control the run. But it's not going to be easy against a guy like Josh Jacobs. And one more question, man. Has the camera crew got back from Henderson, Nevada yet with the film of the Raiders' practice? <laughs> well, if you saw Bill Belichick uh, give his uh, weekly press conference on <laughs> Wednesday morning, uh, definitely check it out, Raider Nation. Uh, you'll get a chuckle out of it. Bill looks like he was up for a, big, a long period of time, uh, <laughs> a little bit sartorially challenged, I guess is the best way for, uh, for me to put it. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that shirt was definitely something interesting. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he was watching any film. I think he's, uh, I think he's doing what he needs to do. Uh, I don't think the uh, the cameras or, uh, or anything like that are going to be a, a factor here. But uh, touche. I started off with some of the uh, the, uh, the the digs about the, uh, the tuck rule, and you got me back with the cameras. So, well. you know what? We're, we're even now, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, we are. We are. I'm just saying, and I'm glad you brought up Belichick and that, that look in his presser because he did look like he had just got off of, like, Fremont Street in Vegas. I mean, he looked like he had just – he had partied it up all weekend and, and never made it back to his room. Well, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, uh, that, uh, apparently that shirt was all that survived. So, I mean, that's it. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's an interesting look for Bill. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he'll be wearing that on the sidelines. On uh, I don't think that passes COVID protocol. So, I think he's going to need more protection. So there it is right there. Myself, Mike DeBate, talking all things Patriots, all things Raiders, as the Patriots and Raiders will square off early on a Sunday in Foxborough. Uh, Raiders are 2-0 on the season, and the Patriots are 1-1. One one. Should be a good game. Very excited about it, but I can't let Mike get away with hitting me with a tuck rule zinger uh, at the beginning of the show without hitting him with a camera or a cheater's zinger at the end. You know what I'm saying? I, I got to get him back somehow. So anyway, hopefully you enjoyed that. It's always good to catch up with uh, Mike or anyone else on the Locked On Network that we could do these crossovers. They're always a lot of fun. So coming up on tomorrow's show, have more news and notes of the day. Of course, we'll check out the injury report. Uh, we'll have calls, texts, tweets straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693 and uh, it'll be Friday. So we'll close out the week really strong. Keys to a Raiders victory against the Patriots on Sunday. So until then, Raider Nation, as always, take care of yourselves. Make sure you wear your mask. Stay safe. Love on your family. Do the best you can. And uh, most importantly, as always, just win, baby.